Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. He's worthy of all praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you saints. Praise Him, all you people. Praise the name of the Lord, for He's worthy to be praised. Exalt Him. Extol Him. Magnify Him. Worship Him. Praise Him. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lord. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Amen. You may be seated. We never want to forget why we're here. Amen. We're here to magnify the name of the Lord together. Before I preach, I want to just take a moment, and I want to thank someone personally. We got so many people that work around here that no one even sees, and we try to honor them, and we try to uh, uh, give credit where credit's due, but so many times people are sometimes not noticed, overlooked, or whatever. You know, Claudia Dawson, Sister Dawson, are you here today? Where are you at? Are you here today? I don't know. They may be on vacation or something. She, she's, all right, she's shy. Go ahead, raise your hand, Sister Claudia. I'm not going to make you stand up. Yeah, there you are, sweetheart. Won't you just stand? Won't you stand? Let the people see this beautiful lady. Look at this beautiful lady right here. Amen. Look how beautiful she is. Amen. Now, let me tell you what she's been doing for several years. Now, I'm not going to tell you everything, but this is one of the things. She does multiple things. And uh, But one of the things that she does that no one knew about, for the last 13 years, you have been coming and sitting on comfortable chairs due to her making sure that these chairs uh, hold together. And she comes with needle and thread and every little tear and every little place that needs attention. She sits there and she's, I don't know how many times I've come in here and all of a sudden, whoa, there she is, scares me to death. And she's sitting there so intensified with needle and thread. And she does such a good job, you can't even notice it. Now, our chairs ultimately are in still pretty good shape, but that is the result of a little lady that every time that she would see something coming apart or beginning to separate, she would begin to get that needle and thread and she'd go to work. Now, she's had people help her, but she's the one that's kind of orchestrated. And I don't know who all they are. We want to thank them too. But I want to tell you, we take that for granted. These things just stay together. You know, everybody in the building... We, the palace, we got, you know, some hefty people, and they're not all light like I am. And, um, and chairs take a beating. How many know? And kids sometimes jump on them and run, and we stack them and we move them and we change things. They get skin up, they get beat up, and uh, every the normal wear and tear is unbelievable. I want to thank her personally for her ministry. Now, she does a lot of other things. She cleans, she uh, does anything you ask her to do. But that's one little thing that she does that a lot of people didn't even know about. Would you give her another great big hand of appreciation? Amen. Sister Claudia, we're going to give you a break here around September for a short period of time because we're hoping to buy new chairs, and we're going to be coming to you with a chair pro project. We was hoping to do that. We were supposed to have a chair in here this Friday, but it didn't show up. And we was wanting to show it to you so you could see how everything's going to match. Believe me, um, when we was putting this together, people thinking, well, that gray don't go with that brown. Well, the brown's going to disappear. Well, that don't go with the maroon. Well, the maroon's going to disappear. It just takes time and a lot of money. 
And so we'll be uh, putting that out to you later on. But this morning I want us to focus on the book of Genesis chapter 11, verse 4 and verse 5. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4 and 5, remain seating. You've been up and down. But uh, I want to focus upon this, and I want to try to show you what the Lord has laid in my spirit. Now, I want to, I want to stop, and I want to tell you, and I want to forewarn you, this is very heavy in my spirit this morning. It's going to be more of a teaching than it is a preaching, I think, and, uh, because it's just one of those things i got to go slow at. I want you to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is really saying to us. I don't want to preach too fast. Because the Lord has really dealt with me about specifics of how to communicate this to you. And I want you to get it. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4 and verse 5. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Now I want you to see the key word right in the middle of verse four. It says, and let us make us a name. Let us make us a name. That's the whole reason of them doing this. Let us make us a name. Um, Brother Williams, would you stand and ask the Lord's blessing on the word of the Lord, please? Amen. Now, we all know that this story is the story of the Tower of Babel, and it's been preached in many different kinds of ways. I've preached on it, and there's a lot of different things that you can see, and we're going to go a little bit different direction than probably that you've ever heard this preached before. But this September, we're going to be starting an evangelism emphasis here in the church. And I cannot stress enough the importance of the church becoming evangelistical and going outside of the four walls of the church to win people for the Lord Jesus Christ. But there has to be a shift and a strong intensity to feel the compelling of the Holy Spirit to engage in the affairs of what we call the harvest. Because the Holy Spirit, if you're listening to him, I want to tell you, he's putting in you the desire and the passion to go out and to win souls for the kingdom because we have a short time left and God wants everybody to be saved. How many knows it's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come into repentance? That is the will of God. That is the call the commission of the church is to go out of its four walls, to go out in the highways and the byways and the edges and to compel people to come to Jesus Christ. So that's what we're all about here as a church at the Palace of Praise. I know that I was going to wait until September to start putting the emphasis on the church and I talked to my staff when we're putting a plan together, but I feel like that the Holy Spirit is making the passion to reach our city more intense in my heart ever than before. I cannot just get away from it. Here it is in June. I was wanting to start it in September. I don't know where this is going from today, but I know that the Lord laid this specific sermon on my heart, and I want us as the palace of praise to pay attention because it's dealing specifically with us as a congregation. This has nothing to do with the Assembly of God or the Baptist Church down the street. This has to do with 
with me and you, those of us that make this our home church. I do not want us to become palace-minded here. I want us to become city-minded. I want us to get out of our narrative thinking and begin to look big. I want us to understand that God's concern is not just about the palace, but God's concern is about the city, and God has placed the palace here for the sake of the city. Can I have an amen? How many believe that with me? Would you raise your hand? That we are instrumental in what's going to take place in changing and transforming our city. I want you to know that politics and governments and the way we vote is not going to transform a city. What's going to transform a city is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the true liberator of the world. How many know that? It's not Republicans. It's not Democrats. It's not independents. It's not some kind of a utopia that's going to come by the way that we vote, even though it's necessary and important, which we'll get into a little bit later, but yet that true liberation comes through the true liberator, Jesus Christ. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. He that knows the truth, the truth shall set him free. Can I have an amen? There's freedom in Jesus Christ, Christ the true liberator. But before we try to win the world, let's first of all right here at the palace start focusing on winning our city. God is entrusted and God has assigned proper bluff to us or at least a big majority of it. I want you to know God has not placed us and planted us right where we're at on this hill with this big of a building without him having a plan and a purpose to fill it. How many says amen to that? I want you to know that God wants us to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. God has strategically placed us where we're at for such a time as this for the purpose of winning our city to Jesus Christ. There are actually only two cities in the world that represent the spirit world. These two cities represent governments under which all other other, uh, cities are actually managed throughout the world. Every city on the planet throughout history stands in continuity with one of these cities. I want you to understand that. The first city that we're going to be talking about is that of Babel, that within our text. The root of, ba- the root of Babel, is the root, its root comes from Babylon, the principle of confusion. It is a community built around man, one that erects a monument built under man, an attempt at a government by man without God. This city is known as what we call a secular city. It is a place where humanistic causes unify and the power of the collective and the homogenized whole is celebrated. The name champion here is the name of self. That's who's championed. All focus is upon building uh, the building of that which glorifies and turns to honor self and not that of God. God's focus, folks, has always been upon the earth. How many knows that? The Bible tells us that God so loved what? The world. That he gave his only begotten son. When Jesus was sent, he wasn't just sent to an elite group like we always think when he came to the Jews. He only came to the Jews first because he was going to use them as an integral part of reaching the world. But his whole desire and his whole plan has always been to reach the earth. How many knows that? Raise your hand if you understand that. God's not willing that anybody perish throughout the whole earth. God loves Muslims. God loves the Middle East. God loves Hindus. God loves uh, all people, all races, all nationalities, all religion. He loves them. That doesn't mean that all are going to heaven. Only those that accept him as Jesus as Lord and Savior is the ones going to heaven. But God loves them and God wants to save them. Can I have an amen? All focus is upon 
uh, uh, the earth with God. Babel's focus is not one that embraces the whole creation, but rather the specific plans and agendas that centers upon self. The scripture says in verse five of our text, it says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of God had built. Now they didn't just build a tower, but they built a city and erected the tower right in the middle of it. And that tower was a monument unto themselves. Here we see God coming down to look and view this city. Notice God visits Babel. This is to indicate that he is not at home there. He is actually an intrusive and investigator outsider that comes without an invitation. He's really not welcome there. He is secretly surprising them by coming down and viewing what they're doing. God comes down and he views Babels and here he sees a city out of control. Here he sees a people who are self-governed, self-empowered, and self-focused. Even so, when you look at most major cities in America today, you will also know Notice that God is now the outsider. How do we know that? In the 21st century America, we are seeing that the cities no longer identify with royal America. And we're also seeing that the rural America no longer can identify with the cities of America. When you look just in the the political views of the cities, the majority of the people that are in those cities have a very liberal view. They support abortion, homosexuality, gay rights, gun control, sanctuary cities for criminals, open borders, socialism. They're against prayer in school. They're against public displays of religious symbols. They're wanting to rewrite the Constitution saying that it's outdated. They want to legalize marijuana. They want to legalize prostitution. And they want to legalize them, the killing of babies even after that they are born. They want to give health care to illegal immigrants. And the list goes on and on and on about a liberal view. We know what the liberal view is. But when you look at the rural areas of America, you will see that they hold to more of a conservative view. They are a totally different view than that of the cities around America. Those of us that live in the rural view, mostly, not all, but we believe prayer in school. We believe for religious symbols. We believe against. we're against abortion. We're against same-sex marriage. We're against socialism. We're against the legalizing of marijuana. We're against the legalizing of prostitution. We're against open borders. We're against free health insurance to illegal immigrants. We're against sanctuary cities and we hold to the Constitution and we ha- we do believe in gun rights and we're against the killing of children after birth. And the list goes on and on and on. So you're seeing that we have a divided nation, mainly between cities and the rural areas and small towns of America. Look at just the votes. How many times have you ever went to bed in a rural area and all of a sudden you were voting on something conservative? Maybe you're not conservative and that's okay but if you but, but most people in rural areas are conservative you can see it by the statistics the way that people vote I'm not here to preach politics and I'm not here to preach Republican or Democrat I'm just stating fact of what's going on around America the voices that are clamoring for attention in the cities are not the same thing that the voices in the rural area are clamoring for clamoring for can I have an amen how many knows that there's a different view between city folk and country folk that's just the way that it is. I don't know how many times that I've went to bed and the rural areas have been counted and all of a sudden the thing that you were voting on thought, well, that's going to pass by a landslide. 80% of the vote is gone towards what I believe in. And then all of a sudden the next morning I wake up and the measure was lost. And I wonder how in the world did that happen because the cities had not yet been counted. And all of a sudden we see that that's how much there is in a division between the different areas. We have a different political viewpoint. 
we have different uh, ideas and we all are able by the American uh, right to have a freedom of speech. Praise God for that. Amen. And let me stop right here. Just because you may disagree with my political view or my thought does not mean I'm to hate you and that I'm to uh, celebrate your losses. I tell you, I are to be sorrowful when you have losses. I want you to know, even though that we can disagree, we can disagree agreeably. Can I have an amen? That is the Christian stance in all of this. But we have a divided nation, mainly between cities and the rural areas and small towns. And this is why that the liberal views are trying to do away with the electoral votes. By, and they want to elect by popular vote. How many has been seeing that being pushed on television? Why are they doing this? A lot of people don't even know why they're doing it because the liberals want an edge and so they should. That's the political way they're fighting. They're good fighters. But they're doing this so that there'll never be again a conservative voice elected due to the city's population. Cities like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, Philadelphia, San Diego, which are some of the biggest cities in the world. When you look at them, they're voting. Some of them are up to 90% liberal. And, and, and yet, when you begin to think about all of the population there, they would be the deciding factor of everything that took place if you went to what we call a popular vote. This, the, this, is, this would de then determine that there would never be another conservative voice elected for anything and that they would literally take over what we would call the government of the United States of America. This is where we're at on a political arena. But not only are we on that in a political arena, folks, we are also on that on a spiritual arena. Come on. Because anybody that can believe that it's okay to kill a baby after it's born because it's going to inconvenience or it's in you or you don't like it or maybe it's sick or whatever, anybody that's able to say that legalizing prostitution is healthy and good, anybody that has them kinds of views, they do not serve the same God that I serve. They do not read the same Bible that I read. Anybody that believes that same-sex marriages is okay, then I want you to know they're not reading the Word of God that I read. They're not serving the same God that I serve. You say, well, I don't believe in your, your, your God. Well, then you got to work that out with God because I know what the word of God says. Can I amen? The way it was in Babel is the same way it is among the, the majority of cities in America. Are you with me? You say, man, you're blasting cities. Now watch this. We now have a God that is an outsider in most cities in America. How do we know that? He is an intruder into the public school classroom. He's not welcome there. And he's not, and yet in rural areas, I want to tell you, in a lot of areas, even in this area, God is still welcome in the public classroom. Can you say amen? Give our teachers and our educators a great big hand because they've not bowed down to the pressure. Amen? But in most major cities around the world, he's an intruder into the public school classroom in the political form. Man is being celebrated himself, building a city, a city of refuge from the world for himself and by himself. And it is a symbol of man and his accomplishments, man and his agenda, man and his goals in most American cities throughout America. Man and the glorification of his name is now the driving spiritual force in our contemporary cities. The end result of Babel was confusion and dismay. Now, isn't that what we're seeing manifested in most major cities around the world? Do you know how many major cities around the world are completely broken? The only way that they're making it is because the federal government, you and I are tax-paying, pay, tax hard-working money people are supporting them. Amen? 
Their own government has went broke by their own views. Their views has destroyed them. The homeless is so bad in so many uh, places in the cities that, that, that human waste is a contributing factor of sickness and disease among the communities. They're literally now communities, when they go into their towns, they have to have masks. Needles are everywhere because there's hundreds and thousands of people that are homeless. And a big majority of homeless is there due to the laws of that city that has not been enforced. They have created a lawless society all in the name of compassion. Come on. Drugs is the number one reason of homelessness along with illegal immigrants. They say they love the illegal immigrants. All they're doing is exploiting them for a vote because I want to tell you, if they loved them, they wouldn't be letting them sleep out in the streets and taking drugs and being uh, slaves to sex and everything else as these children come over in America. God forbid of what's taking place in the United States of America. Can I have an amen? Illegal immigrants killing people in our cities and our own courts, mayors, and city laws is protecting them. City officials not reporting the ICE of wanted illegal immigrants that's wanted for violent crimes. Look at what's taking place. Folks, this is not something I'm making up. It's everyday history. Where a man kills a woman and to find out he's already killed five but he's been let go ten times and they can't do anything with him because he's in a sanctuary city. How nuts is that? Is anybody with me here this morning? Hello. How nuts is that? Children are forced to use the same restrooms in their public schools with opposite sex. Free health care, free education, free financial support to illegals while most Americans suffer and do without it. Does that make sense? A man that's worked his whole life and all of a sudden he gets to the age of my mother and my mother's 86 years old and she can't hardly get any kind of aid whatsoever. <laughs> I got children that don't even have health care because they can't afford it. They can't pay for it. And yet illegal immigrants get in, get free teeth work, get free vision, get free this, get free that, who's never paid a dime into the system, who's from a different country that don't even want the values and want the things that we hold dear to be true. They just want the free stuff. Can I have amen? The list goes on and on of the confusion and the chaos of a man rule and a man run city. The condition of our cities is increasingly being plagued by confusion, misunderstanding, and division. This culture is headed for a meltdown, you mark my words, and it cannot survive too long when man is at the center of it. Jerusalem is our second city I want us to focus upon. It was to be a fortress of peace. It was to be the joy of the whole earth. Can I have an amen? The theoretical center of the city was to be the temple. And the theoretical center of the temple was the holy place, and there in its center was the Ark of the Covenant, the place of God's glory. Wow, so now we see that the whole city was built around the presence and the glory of God. Jerusalem did not have a mere tower built by man reaching down, but they had divine glory reaching, uh, reaching upward, I meant, that they had divine glory reaching down from heaven and it was to watch over and to keep the city. Let me say that again. Jerusalem did not have a mere tower built by man reaching down or reaching upward. I keep saying that backwards. They had divine glory reaching down from heaven and it was to watch over and to keep the city. In other words, the glory of God was to keep the city. The temple by itself was nothing, but it was the glory of God that was in it that was everything. Now listen, I want to go slow right here because this involves you and me. Blessings and grace were to be upon the city by the glory of God that dwelt in the temple that was to be in the center of the city. 
Did you hear that? Now, right here's where I want to quit teaching and start preaching. Hallelujah. Blessings and grace were to be upon a city by the glory of God that dwelt in the temple that was in the center of the city. Blessings and grace were to be upon the city by the favor of God that flowed out of that temple that stood within its midst. These cities were to be a place where kings would be attracted to, where nations would be healed, and where praise would fill the air. These cities were going to be governed by kingdom principles. Can I have an amen? When the early settlers came to America, the first public building erected, guess what it was? It was a church. That was the first public building erected, a church. The church was formed first, and then guess what they built? They built a courthouse, which was built representing the rule of law, and it was built second. And these were to be the central focal point of the city. Then the city would be built around the institution of the church in the courtyard. This city was to be built upon the teachings of the church and the law of God, and it would be ruled and conditioned and judged by its courtrooms, by the judicial system. And all major cities in the United States right now, you go down to the old ones, the old downtowns, you will find in its old downtown areas a church standing right in the middle of it. You wonder, how in the word of the church get there? How did the church find this place in the middle of right downtown? It's because they were the first building established. They were there before the city was there. And there are sometimes four and five and six major big churches in the middle of downtown, and all of a sudden you will find that the cities begin to form around that church. That's how it used to be in America in the earlier centuries. Babel was built against the world. Jerusalem was built for the world. In Babel, man was glorified. In Jerusalem, God was glorified. Babel was closed community. Jerusalem was to be an open station of healing to all that come into it. In Babel, God was a visitor. In Jerusalem, he was the celebrated Lord of that city. Hallelujah. In early American culture, the city was governed by the influence of a higher power that flowed from the church. Can I have an amen? Did you know that they used to pray at city events? Did you know they prayed before public hearings? Did you know that, that, that they shut down businesses every day on Sunday to go to church? Come on. They honored and respected the church and its events. Never did anything try to replace the church's uh, 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 calendar. Matter of fact, schools never got interrupted. The midway services with sports or anything else because the church was the number one priority of the community. Can I have an amen? Schools did not interfere with the church's agendas, but rather they encouraged them and supported them. Schools opened up with prayer. I remember that as a young boy. The Bible was literally their first textbook. Amen? Now we have a shift in America. Now the modern downtowns of our cities, the malls of America, they're almost thoroughly secular. The presence of the church cannot even be found in some of our new downtowns. You can go in the old downtowns, they're there. But when you go to the new downtowns, they're not there. Their witness, mainly of all, is disallowed. And matter of fact, did you know in the new age downtown areas it's becoming built, they're rezoned to where churches are not even allowed to build by city law and by city ordinances. That when you go in and you see this town shifting and they're building the town in a new area, churches are not even allowed by rezoning to build in those areas the center of town that is supposed to glorify God and set presidents for the rest of the city, 
The center of the cities of America now are exploding with shopping galleries, which have become nothing more than monuments due to the addiction of man for things. Come on. There's no presence of a church there, but there's everything else. You can find anything you want in the downtown of a new America. And materialism has enslaved the American culture. And yet we have the warning, love not the world, neither the things that's in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're not of the Father, but they're of the world. And the world's going to pass away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, he's the one that abides forever. You can't have a church downtown in the middle of the city of America anymore because of the rezoning. But you can have an adult bookstore, tattoo parlors, bars, nightclubs, entertainment. You can have anything that you want. Come on, somebody help me preach. Do you see the shift? The old downtowns of America had churches, street preachers, sidewalk events. They were prominent fixtures there. But the church that, that was set in the center in the old days, they were there to engage culture and to be a reminder of the witness of Jesus Christ. But now we've moved from a Jerusalem mode to a model of Babel. God is increasingly excluded from our cities. Prayer is increasingly banned in public ex exercise. Can't pray at football games anymore. Can't pray at school anymore. Can't pray at a, uh, a public hearing anymore because it might be offensive to somebody. Somebody help me here. Amen? Christian symbols is increasingly disappearing. Crosses all over the nation are being fought, and they're cutting them down. They're throwing them away. Even the symbols of fishermen or men are being fought now. Anything that's got a Christian uh, attitude, you can wear any kind of shirt you want to at whatsoever into most uh, colleges and universities in America. But if you wear religious symbols, you have to they are told to take your shirt off because it's offensive to people. Are you listening to me, folks? The Bible is disdained in a hated book in most cities around America. Man is championed and the name of Jesus Christ is silenced. Man is celebrated and the name of Jesus Christ is desecrated. Amen? The result is that instead of the cities being a place of safety, cities of peace and blessings, we're seeing thousands upon thousands upon thousands fleeing our cities today. Amen? Why? Because the spirit of Babel is upon our cities. They have become seas of confusion, strife, murder, hate, bondage, despair, depression, and darkness. Did you know in some of our major cities around the world, there'll be more killed in those cities in a period of a year or two than in all of some of our wars? And what's so strange about that is the very ones that is against going to war is the very ones protecting the murder in their own cities. It doesn't make sense. And here we are in America, what do we do about it? Our cities are under siege. And the problem is that the people that are leaving those cities due to the circumstances that's upon them, the cities are broke, there's high taxes, there's high, high, high uh, penalties, there's all this kind of stuff, they can't afford to live there no more. And all of a sudden, all of the crime and all of the drugs and all of the, of the, the theft and all that that's taking place, they're tired of it. And they're moving out and they're moving to the rural area. But the problem of it is they don't know what caused that. And they're taking their very liberal views that caused that to happen. And they're bringing it to rural America. And they're, calling rural America, they're ca causing rural America now to become more liberal. They're just bringing their baggage with them. If we're not careful, then what happens is those places that once were conservative become liberal because of the people that's tired of what the liberal government caused in the first place, but they never recognized it for what it was. 
Our cities is under siege. United States is under siege. Our nation's under siege. And it's not about a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. You know, Ezekiel made a declaration that was symbolic. His declaration was that the natural Babylon would besiege Jerusalem. Babylon would plunder and completely destroy it. And by it destroying the city, it would mean that it would also destroy the temple compound. How many knows that that happened? Everybody raise your hand if you know that Babylon did take over Jerusalem at one time. His prophetic voice was true, but there was symbolic action to that. This is what the enemy's trying to do right here in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. What Babylon done in a natural sense is what the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of Babel, is trying to do today throughout America. The enemy is out to seize our cities and destroy our temples and to silence the church. Oh God, somebody help me. The spirit of Babylon is invading our cities and it is attempting to destroy any likeness of Jerusalem at all. We are under pressure to build our collective unity around the name of man himself. And when we do, and if we do, all that will be produced is more confusion, more division, more destruction, more murder, and ultimately more death. As I speak, there is a spirit of Babylon that has presently engaged our little town of Poplar Bluff to try to fully plunder it and ravage this whole city to take out any kind of image of God whatsoever in it. Are you with me? These forces are promoting man, promoting self, and promoting flesh. Its focal point is on materialism, pleasure, fun, excitement, thrill, adventure, suspense, prosperity, mystery, sexuality is a big thing. And churches have become more concerned about keeping people and being number-minded than they are about actually making true disciples. Their success is, oh, we had 500, but we don't have no disciples. It don't matter if you have 500 and don't have any disciples. If you have 50 disciples, you're a greater church than those 500 that have no disciples. Hello? Our churches is bought into a feel-good gospel where all of our focus is on pleasing people instead of pleasing God. People are now preaching anything that pampers to the flesh so that they can keep certain things. There's churches that don't preach anything about the absence of alcohol or the absence of drugs. It's okay to take marijuana. It's okay to drink. It's okay. And you go on and on and on of the different things. Oh, it's okay to have an abortion. It's okay. And yet, you know why? It's because they dare not preach anything that might bring offense to somebody because if they do, they may leave them. So they're more about their number senses than they are about being a true church of Jesus Christ. You'll not hear me compromise the message. Come on, somebody help me preach. We have diluted the message of Jesus Christ where we have taken the edge of conviction off so people remain with us and we've got a feel-good church. We're fighting the spirit of Bible, folks. Self-promotion, self-fulfillment, self-pleasure, self-exaltation, self, self, self. And yet Jesus said, if you don't know how to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Simple, isn't it? He that tries to find his life is going to lose it, but he that loses, in the one scripture, he says, hateth his life. Amen? He'll find it. 
What does it mean, hate your life? It means to love your life less than loving Jesus. Amen? How are we to overcome the spirit of Babel? As I've spoken to you before, when we were on Ninth and Cedar, we said this the other day, we were in the very center of the old geographical Poplar Bluff city limits. We were in Miller subdivision. We were one of the highest elevations of town. That was the old Poplar Bluff geographics. Over time, we moved out here on 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard. However, we are not the only ones that moved. Guess what else has moved? The town has moved. Hello? There's been a shift in the city limits and the city of the, city of the area has changed. You don't go down the old downtown Poplar Bluff to shop anymore. Where do you go? You go right up here or over here. Can I have an amen? With that shift, we followed suit and guess what we done? We moved with it. We didn't even know what we were doing. This is a sure sign of what God has planned for us. Are you listening? This is not, oh, oh my goodness, that was by accident. What by accident? Steps of a good man are ordered to God, ordained to God. Somebody help me preach. God knows how to put his anointed somewhere when they don't even know where they're going. How do I know? He told Abraham, get. And he says, where am I going? He said, don't matter. Just get wherever the soles of your shoes go. I'm going to make you of a great nation. In other words, God told Kent Miller and the Ninth and Cedar Church, get. And we said, where are we going? Well, no, but here we are. Not knowing that the town would soon follow suit, all that was was woods. I deer hunted right out there. Amen? Somebody said, why'd you want to put the palace in the place of nowhere? Papa Bluff wasn't four lane. It wasn't a major throw through. We didn't have a big thing going around town. It was in the works. We didn't even know it when we moved out here. What are you saying, Ken? I'm saying this, that God's hand has orchestrated his events and he has brought the church alongside in order for the Popper Bluff area to understand that even though Babel, the spirit of Babel is against it, God's raising up a church to fight against the spirit of Babel. With the building up of the new town of Popper Bluff, God built him a church. And he put it smack dab right in the middle again. Isn't that wonderful? We now sit close to the very center of the church, very city, center of the city limits again, and we're still on one of the highest elevations that there is. How many believes that's by coincidence? Come on, buddy. I'm here to tell you God has seen a bunch of ignorant uh, old country people like me, an ignorant preacher on Ninth and Cedar, and gave him a vision. Drove by a piece of property that wasn't mutton but two big mountains and it wasn't even for sale. Got in contact with an old guy that helped us get in contact with the owner and the owner fell in love with us. Everybody in the city tried. One lawyer came up to me and said, how in the world did you buy that, that farm? Said, I've been after it for years and years and years and years. I've offered him more than what it's worth. How did you get it? And I said, by divine appointment. God said, well, if the city's going to shift, I got to shift with it. So God placed him a church right smack dab in the city. What's that saying? That Papa Bluff still has the hope of being a city that's governed by Jerusalem and not by Babel. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to preach right there. Woo! God wants our city to be a Jerusalem city and not a Babylon. I'm here to tell you God has called us to this city. 
I cannot elaborate too much because it's another sermon and we'll be visiting these scriptures later on. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 through 15, Jesus commands his disciples, go in the city, preach the gospel, and bless the city. He told them to bless the city. He said the sick will be healed, the lepers cleansed, the dead are raised, and the bound will be freed. Hey, palace of praise, go bless the city. Go preach to the city. The sick will be healed, the lepers will be cleansed, the dead are raised from the dead again. And guess what? The bound will be freed. God has commissioned us to cause powerful life transactions to occur and powerful life transformations to occur and it will cause families to be reunited if the church will become the church. Death will give way to life. Wholeness will replace affliction. The confusions will be replaced with the peace and the power of God. And when people come here with a different point of view and they want to try to make it a spirit of Babylon, the spirit of God will raise up and transform them. And those that were no longer of the spirit of Jerusalem will become grafted into the spirit of Jerusalem. And we'll find out that God will multiply himself. And through that multiplication, we'll take a city at a time. And God will change a nation by revival and by the transformation of new converts who will come into the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? God spoke to me and he said, most pastors that have assigned to their churches feel pressured to minister only to the needs of the people, to the needs of the church. But God visited me and he said, I haven't called you or the ministers of this town to the needs of their church only, but I have called them to pastor the city. I remember in the early days in uh, Nathan Cedar, there was just a handful of us, and uh, the funeral homes would call me. they say, Pastor Miller, would you come and would you preach so-and-so's funeral? They don't have a pastor. I, we told them you would. I said, well, thanks a lot. You know, because here I'm working a secular job and trying to pastor a church too. I'd say, well, yeah, I'll come and do it. And I don't know how many sermons I'd done in those early days at funerals. But I know one thing, I want a lot of people through that. And um, as a matter of fact, I've preached probably 500 and some odd funerals, funerals in my lifetime. If you'll figure that up, folks, that's a lot. Matter of fact, Don, where's, where's Wayne and Lynn Kinsey? Lynn, stand up. They didn't have a pastor. Her mother died. I got a call. Never met them people before in my life. Rhonda Daves called me and said, would you come? Would you preach her mother's funeral? And I said, well, sure. Went down to their house, met them. And that's how we got in contact. Before long, they give their life to Christ, and here they are as a result of a pastor just doing a funeral. Amen. And I'd get in them cars with them funeral directors, and they'd say, man, you know what's happening to you? You're young, but you're becoming the pastor of the city. I didn't even know what that meant. So everybody's talking about you. Everybody's talking about Ninth and Cedar. Pastor Miller, you're only in your 20s, but I want you to know you're fastly becoming the pastor of the city, and some of these pastors have been here for 50 years, but you're the one they're looking to, and I never even thought about that. Really, they're not looking to me. They're looking for hope, and all of a sudden, it set, God began to say, churches, can I have the mentality that the shepherd's job is just to minister to the needs of that church because God is calling his shepherds to mobilize the church to minister to the needs of the city. Amen? We must embrace this broken city. And the reason that the city is in shambles is because there's no shepherds over them. There's no Jerusalem over them, no, no spiritual leadership over them. Did you know that God is calling for shepherds not just to make his sheep fat and flourishing? To just 
minister to your felt needs all the time and try to keep you happy so you'll stay in the church. It's not just about visiting you and pampering you and praying for you and running after you and preaching to you and feeding you. That's part of the job. But if that becomes the whole job, we miss the commission of Jesus Christ altogether. The job of the pastor is to say, hey, you've been fed enough. You've seen enough. You've experienced enough. Now, you, become, you are to become fishers of men and become disciples. Now I've got to somehow, as a pastor, get a strategic plan over our city and engage you to go out and do the work of the ministry for you as a saint to get out in the highways and the byways and to compel them and to rob this city from the spirit or rob the spirit of Bible from taking over this city. Amen? In most cities, crime's out of control. Amen? Wasn't it a disgrace of what happened up in St. Louis when they burnt their, their neighbor's buildings and broke in and looted everything? Can, when I watched that, it looked like a bunch of animals. Come on. Cities out of control. Craziness. Throwing stones at our police officers. And the police officers can't do anything about it. That's ridiculous too. Amen. Gangs rule certain parts of cities that the police won't even go into. Think about that. Drugs and alcohol is everywhere. Prostitution's everywhere. Sex trafficking. Kids being, not just kids, grown people are being kidnapped, put in a slave market of sexuality, being exploited. And then when they're done with them, they just get them hooked on drugs and throw them to the streets or kill them. Our churches become islands of a sea of secularism. And too often the churches in the city have turned inward and they have less and less impact on the city due to not engaging in the world around them. Instead of taking the city, most churches, you know what they're doing? They're just holding the fort. This is a, what I call a fly in the apothecary. It's a distraction. Is that, oh, the enemy will come over here and afflict poor April. And all of a sudden, what's the church supposed to do? Is to help April. And then all of a sudden, then the enemy will uh, uh, get over here on poor Bob and afflict him. And before long, afflict again and afflict again and start that all over the place. And before long, we're just taking care of ourselves and we're fighting the spirit of affliction and we're wondering why. It's because it's a spirit of what we call the flies in the apothecary. It's distracting us because while we're focused inwardly, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And the way to stop some of the affliction is get the enemy out of the church by going out in the city and the city has to go fight you out there on that playing field instead of fighting you in here. The enemy's smart. God help me. I bind the spirit of affliction in this place right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot allow the spirit of Babel to take over. We have to pray for an old-fashioned city-transforming revival the first thing that we need to do is start praying over our city as the people of God. I'm putting it into motion because in September we're getting real serious and it may come before then because of what's stirring in my spirit. I might have had my dates wrong. But the first thing that I'm gonna ask you to do is engage with me of praying over our city, our schools, specifically our city, our neighborhoods. Where you need to start is pray for the neighbor beside you to the right, to the left, in front of you and back behind you. Pray for your schools. Pray for your government leaders. Pray that Christians get in office. Somebody help me preach. Dear God, I feel like I'm preaching to a, a quiet congregation this morning. 
And as we start praying, you know, I refuse to allow Papa Bluff, who I've spent 30-some years of my life preaching the Gospels, to go down the tubes because we were too afraid to engage in the city and destroy the spirit of Babel. The spirit of Babylon shall not prevail over Papa Bluff. Why? Because God's risen up an institution called the church, called the Palace of Praise, sent them in the center of town, put them right back in the old, uh, the old uh, Jerusalem mode, and now we as are to act by the spirit of Jerusalem. There's to be peace. There's to be life. There's to be freedom. There's to be joy. There's to be happiness. And Jesus Christ shall be celebrated in Papa Bluff, Missouri. Would you stand with me, please? Oh. Man, when the Lord hit me, I was dry. I was telling Randy, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I don't have nothing ready. Oh, it'll come, it'll come. Well, that's easy to say. Zach would come up to me. He think come yet? No, not yet. And I'd pray. And I'd get distracted and I'd go back to my prayer group and then I'd get to studying everything I studied. And just, ah, that ain't it, that ain't it. Oh, that's good, that's good, but that ain't it. <coughs> I get to putting a sermon together. All of a sudden, boy, that's good content. I'd water it, but that ain't for today. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, this is what I want you to do, and wham. This sermon came within 15 minutes. Dropped in my spirit the comparison between Babylon and Jerusalem. I mean, know that we have roots of the Judeo-Christian from Israel. We followed suit of Israel, of Jerusalem. Amen? I'm asking you to do something. Matter of fact, I know it's Sunday morning, but what are you willing to invest here with me just for a few moments? I know we got a lot to do today, but I want to tell you something. This thing is a lot more important than tearing up carpet and moving chairs. I'm not going to let that kind of stuff hinder me from flowing in what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. Will you join with me today as a collective body to commit yourself to a mode of that of Jerusalem and understand that you're a part of something significant here at the palace. You're part of a movement that's been orchestrated and birthed by God. We're not tooting our own horn. God's raised up First Baptist too. God's raised up some of the other churches to do their part. I'm not focused on their part. I'm focused on what God's commissioned us. And if God then somehow puts us together and network with somebody, we're willing to do that. But I've got to obey God and what he's commissioned here at the Palace of Praise. And there is a true spirit lurking our streets. It's the spirit of Babel. It's man promotion, self-promotion, self, self, self. Get selfishness out of your life. Because you don't understand that is the spirit of Babylon. And it will cause confusion and destruction. And these people that's leaving these cities, they don't even know why they're leaving. They can leave all they want, but they're a part of what's caused it. It's because of their selfishness, their self-centeredness and their humanistic ideas that has been planted in them through humanistic, uh, humanistic philosophies. And therefore, everything that they'll ever do and everything that they'll ever try will fail because it's all by the power of flesh and not by the power of God. Amen? I'm asking you, would you start with me today by showing your faithfulness? Would you just come forward if you're willing to start this process with me? Don't know where all we're going to lead in it, 
Don't know what we're all going to do just yet, but that's why you got to pray. You got to pray for me as a leader. How am I supposed to mobilize you? How am I supposed to get engaged in the city? What am I going to do? You may see more of me outside of the church doing things and not inside the church. You going to get mad at me because I'm not running the doors like I used to? Come on. I'm preaching some hard stuff here. It's hard on me. There's transformation coming. presence of the Lord is truly here and listen to me folks he's fixing to engage us in spiritual warfare like we've never been before but we got to get the battle out of the sanctuary where we're being distracted by the flies and the apothecary and we got to get our eyes fixed on that harvest and we got to get involved with neighbors and friends and co-workers on jobs and build relationships and we got to get in groups and have prayer meetings in our homes we got to take our neighborhoods we got to take our children and wrap our love around them and begin to harvest them at a young age to where they can be agents of Jerusalem instead of agents of Babel agents of self that will be self-destructive I rebuke any of spirit that's upon our children to become gang related or get involved in drugs and alcohol and prostitutions and marijuana that the world says, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's your body, it's your right, it's your life. Yeah, but you're destroying it. I'm here to tell you that we gotta change those statistics. And the only way we're gonna do it is to recognize our calling, get our attention off of ourself Take up the cross, deny ourselves, and become a true disciple of Jesus Christ and engage the city with the kingdom of God and with the spirit of God and with the anointing of God. Amen? Zach Bogus, I want you to come up here and stand beside me a minute. We'll have you to pray in just a moment, so get ready. I want us to pray, and I want us to start praying, God, lead us, lead our pastor, lead our staff, lead me, lead my home leading my life. Help us to stop the spirit of Babel that's destroying our people. And help us set a presidency in the United States as a light where all men will be drawn to it. Isaiah 60, you remember? Because when we begin to change Papa Bluff, something then begins to transpire where all of a sudden Jerusalem, when it's in its proper operation, everybody come and sought for it. Amen? Because it was wealthy, it was prosperous, it was blessings, it was peace. While everything outside of the realm of Jerusalem was chaotic, in Jerusalem's heyday, guess what? It was peace and safety and joy. God was glorified as worship. It was, it was magnificent. You say, well, that's impossible in today's culture. You're just speaking. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, we can turn our city into a city of Jerusalem. Spiritually speaking, we don't, have to, we don't have to cave in and let the spirit of Babylon take us over where everybody's ruled by their selfish pride and their selfish ego and everything's got to be about them and their feelings and their, 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 feeling, their feel-good mentality and, and all of that kind of stuff. We can change America in the name of Jesus. We've got to start by praying.
I want you to start praying as Zach prays over our city and over you today. God, your word says that we will receive power from on high to be witnesses unto all the world. And I pray, oh, Holy Spirit, that you well up in these people full of power, full of boldness, full of love to reach every single corner, every single place in this city. I pray, God, every street be occupied with someone that's full of light and that the light would run off the darkness and the darkness will flee. I pray, God, for a harvest, Lord. Your word says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let the palace of praise be your laborers. Let us be the church that you've called us to be. Let us be like a city set on a hill, Lord, the light that cannot be hid. I pray, God, we not hide our light, but we be the church. Everywhere we go, we would be the church that we would call to be, that we would, Lord, be awake. We would occupy the city awake, ready to share, ready to give an answer, ready to pray for someone, ready to see someone be healed, ready to see someone be set free and liberated from their sin, Lord. I pray every street corner, Lord, here, the word hear the gospel lord i pray every person who sits in this city day that does not know you will get the opportunity to know you and use us kingdom builders kingdom shakers god let us be the people you're calling us to be in these last days god let us take our place let us take our place i rebuke lord the darkness in this city i rebuke opioid addiction i rebuke fatherless homes i rebuke drunkenness i rebuke poverty and i speak life and I speak healing and I speak wholeness that comes from Jesus more than anything Lord this city this country this state needs you we need you Lord we need you to take over God let us Lord help you take over use us equip us God let us be the disciples of Jesus that we are called to be in the name of Jesus well up in us oh God well up in us oh God and let us not be silent let us not be silent in Jesus' name. And let us not be about us. Let everything be about you and your kingdom. Let us not be about our business. Let us be about your business. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you in all peace and joy. May you be a participant of Jerusalem in Jesus' name. Um, those of you that can, those of you men that want to stand by, John Sells will need help removing the chairs immediately. And at 2 o'clock, if you can come back, we're going to be ripping up. The more we have, the faster we can get in and get out of here. Uh, so would you, if you can come back at 2 o'clock, wear some old clothes, old shoes. And uh, we got to throw stuff in dumpsters. And we got to walk on some glue and different things. Or... We could possibly have to, and we gotta we gotta just watch out. We'll give you instruction when you get here too. God bless you. You're dismissed.